0: Department of the Dead contains graphic and explicit content that may not be appropriate for some listeners. Opinions and views do not reflect that of the Department of Defense. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, you're good. I'm I'm getting situated. Holy fuck! I need water. I feel like SpongeBob in the dome with Sandy. And he's trying to impress her. I need her. water. And that's how I feel right now. But yeah, the the bunch that I got. How oh, how long ago did I get it? I was saving it for our next recording. So probably about a week ago, I think, is when I got it. It's called Cheetapus, and this is supposed to be a giggly batch as well. I specifically requested it and the gal was yeah, really nice. And she was like, Oh, you would like this one? And it was between that and I can't remember what the other one was, but this on the jar of the, the weed was this cheetah. I should go get it. I'll send you a picture of it later. I think I already sent it to you, but it's a cheetah. Yeah. So for the listeners, it's a cheetah smiling with his eyes shut i don't know what cheetah piss smells like but i guess it's that oh who are we hello
1: (laughs) they need to see a picture of it for context though
0: oh yeah yeah i'll probably post a picture of it to the dod page but i'm thought hi thought (laughs) amanda how are you how was your week
1: not bad not bad Going to a four-day, having a few seltzers right now.
0: Nice. Oh, the vizies. You got the antioxidants.
1: Leftover from the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, I... Wait, who won again? Oh, it wasn't... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you <laughs> the That's my... Take this out. <laughs> I was just... As any good American does, we just watch the commercials. <laughs>
1: Commercials aren't even the best part anymore, they suck.
0: <laughs> You're gonna be like, nope, I'm done, we're done, contract terminated. Oh my gosh. Okay, but, yeah, the Z from the Super Bowl. What did I do, the Super Bowl? I don't really remember. It was something. Probably schoolwork. Yeah, probably schoolwork. Y'all didn't watch it at all? Tree did. He, he had it on. And then I think I took a break and I was just watching it for a little bit, but I don't really remember much from the game. It
1: was a good game, honestly. It was frustrating, but I will
0: oh. move on. <laughs> my my brain right now doesn't really remember, and but yes, I did post that to the DoD page, the, the Eagle. Yeah, the... Uh, Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Oh, before we start on our topic, because we all know that everyone came to listen to you and then me, they're just like, eh, Bye.
1: no 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 that's not true
0: (laughs) but i did want to ask you this and this can be a thoughts thought but i want to hear thoughts thoughts on a particular topic listening okay and then just go full rant if you have to or in depth oh i actually think this but it is horoscopes go
1: Oh right now uh, right now?
0: Yeah. What are thoughts, thoughts on horoscopes and zodiacs? <laughs> I won't be offended. I will not be offended.
1: <laughs> like I, I don't have anything against against it. But I don't think I don't know, like the whole
0: <laughs> He's treading very lightly on how he's gonna <laughs> answer that.
1: No, you know like when someone like acts a certain <laughs> way, it's like, Oh, it's, I'm a zodiac. Or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Not a zodiac, a fucking. <laughs> oh, I'm a Leo because yeah. I just murdered someone. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> it's just such a Leo. I don't know. I think there's something to it. I know that it gets made fun of all the time and people are like, oh, well, it, kind of what you said, but they have a very angry stance on it. But I think there's something to it just because of. We know how water and vibrations, it creates those patterns and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen those videos where, like, it's those... So it's like that, but it's... And you have the moon and, like, the tide, right? The moon affects the tide. Gravity. It's a thing. And the Earth is 70% water. Fact. Human beings are also... 70% 70% water. Maybe, water. Maybe it's like right, 60%. Huh? I can't remember. It's 70 to 60%, something like that. But around the same. So, I'm thinking when you're born at a certain time of the year or a certain time of the month even that, you know, bodily fluid <laughs> and the your brain chemistry and like how you're developing, I think there's something to it. I don't know. That's my <laughs>
1: slow <laughs> smile for me I it's, mean
0: it, it kind of makes sense when I when you put it that way though <laughs> just slow <blew> his mine <laughs> that's why when people know. ask for your like what time were you born that's why they're asking it
1: well what are we what are we asking exactly are we comparing the tides and the way the water reacts mm-hmm, to the moon you have... with the water inside of my body? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's the time that you're born and, like, all the planets around and, like, the constellations and the way the universe is set up and there's gravity all over the universe. So it's, uh, I don't know how it's all, it's string theory, that kind of shit. I don't know. But it's something along those lines, like, it's supposed to play into your personality. So it's not just, like, you're a Leo or you're a Cancer. It's you have in specific houses and that's, like part of your personality I remember I did this for one of my friends and he like he's pretty skeptical about most things but he's pretty easygoing and so I did it he is like reading through his birth chart and he's just like stone-faced and he's like oh my god like this nailed me and I'm like I think there's something to it no like I've heard things about
1: cancers and like oh that is that does sound like me you know but I don't know it could also be labeled so, like... I don't, it's like fucking uh, fortune cookies. Almost.
0: No, it's way different than fortune cookies.
1: <laughs>
0: How dare you?
1: There's gotta be... There's a comparison. I'm made <laughs> out of 30% cookie, and then... Well, anyway... 30% water, 30% cookie. No, like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, I'm not gonna give anyone shit for believing in it, or... Because there's definitely a lot of dumb shit to believe that people are all for. I think I think there's some I think there's something there. Do do I know what that is? I don't.
0: Very eloquently put. Very so, eloquent. Speaking of Zodiacs and <laughs> Leo's murdering people, apparently, Mr. Vizzy.
1: I got a claw too. On <laughs> standby.
0: Ah, nice. So, this is... (laughs) Go on. We won't be talking about the Zodiac Killer today. For my topic, for our state of affairs theme that we've got going right now, I chose the Spokane Serial Killer. (laughs) Not to be confused with the Green River Killer. Yeah, Don't know the, PN- the PNW had a lot of fucking
1: serial killers. The uh, air quality, Starbucks out there. <laughs>
0: Everyone's just in a bad mood.
1: <laughs> I think I'd love it up there.
0: It's beautiful. It really is. It's expensive. I will will say that, but Washington also doesn't have income tax, so or state taxes. Yeah. So. I mean, Texas as well, but up here, you know, weed's legal, so. Hey. Hey. (laughs) But. That cheetah piss is just flowing. Woo! Up
1: Up in the (laughs) P&W.
0: It just made me think of that. Never mind. People are going to have to listen to the last episode. Anyway, so, not to be confused with the Green River Killer. Thought, do you have the transcripts pulled up? Oh uh, so musical today. Click. I- I'm here for it. Got it.
1: <laughs> this is the <laughs> difference between thought drinking and then me just sober and tired every night. <laughs> do you see the difference?
0: <laughs> yes, I do. But you're still you're a treat either time. I will say this. I do enjoy before we get started and I will say I really enjoy that we make this a semi-weekly thing and it gives me routine and it gives me something to look forward to because right now just the whole getting out process and just processing the whole hey this was my life for 11 years and now I'm out so it's a really weird time and this really this and school really helps me keep a schedule so I don't spiral and end up in the fetal position that happens sometimes but i'm still productive but i do enjoy this so thank you for What well, this I is like you... how many months have we been doing this about eight yeah about eight months yes, it i know right holy shit we'll be coming up on the one year that's crazy a couple mm-hmm. of
1: times a month what episode are we on now
0: uh, twenty-four. We're, we're now recording number twenty-four. Holy shit! That's mm-hmm. wild. And whoever's stuck with us this entire time, thank you. Please don't go re-listen to the old episodes. Uh, those are <laughs> the quality is so bad. I did my best.
1: We were. You were a, young, a new. You're a newbie.
0: newbie Now I'm like. A semi-like newbie novice. Anyway, so this case, this whole thing is just so it's gonna blow your mind. And yes, this actually does tie into military. Yeah, the military. Okay. Without further ado, you got it pulled up.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, I do.
0: Okay. Cool. Okay. Sorry,
1: I can't see you and the thing at the same time.
0: Oh, don't worry about it. Okay. <clears throat> what the spokane serial killer robert lee yates jr i won't be talking this slow this entire time i promise today's topic will be a washingtonian flavor in this episode we will discuss a man who is a husband a father of two, five children a car enthusiast and an army veteran you may know him as robert lee yates the spokane serial killer robert lee yates was a very unremarkable man Just to be described.
1: (laughs) Great introduction.
0: Unremarkable. (laughs) So much so that not everyone remembered meeting him. And he was used to really just flying under the radar. This dull personality proved useful for murdering vulnerable people while going undetected for so many years, up until 1998, three years after Denver Airport. (laughs) (laughs) To start, you had that brand, didn't you? I did. Kind of, not really. It just the time. I not wait to say it. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be, this, this part's interesting. I think you'll enjoy it. So 1945, Robert's grandparents and Robert's father. So we're going to go back before even Robert Jr. was born. One night in 1945, Robert's uh, father, Robert Sr., lived a pretty average life in Van Buren, Tennessee, with his parents Novella and John Yates. So Novella and John are the grandparents. John worked as a farmer and as such wasn't home for long periods, putting most of the domestic and childbearing pressures on Novella, who raised 11 children. <laughs> Can you imagine 11 children? I No. 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 Absolutely not. So, October 12, 1945. Rob Sr. was a young boy sleeping in his upstairs bedroom. He awoke to loud noises downstairs and went to investigate. Rob Sr. again a child at the time stumbled upon his father's lifeless body, bleeding profusely from the head. His mother, Novella, sat in the other room, way too calm given the circumstances just feet away. she killed her husband with a double-headed axe. The medical examiner found John Yates had four wounds on his head and face, including one that spanned the entire right side of his head and penetrated the brain. Novella was charged and then quickly released in the Warren County Jail on a $3,000 bond. While there are no oh, yeah. records for... an murder so she was charged but she was never convicted but there were records of her subsequent stay in a mental hospital so that's kind of how but 11 i'm not saying that this was the right thing to do by any means <laughs> 11 children by herself holy fuck yeah not yeah. saying it's right it's just <laughs> so why is this important we're going to talk about generational trauma A study that involved baby mice in inheriting fear of smells from their parents. This mechanism still needs to be identified. However, there are particular roles that epigenetics play in human disease and generational trauma. Changes in an organism's DNA sequence affect how genes behave. Epigenetics looks at environmental factors like diet and lifestyle can change gene activity in a way that passes from generation to generation. For example, how epigenetics may be connected to conditions ranging from cancer to kidney disease to autism. Yet scientists need to help pin down the specifics of this phenomenon. As the new scientist explains, previous studies hinted at stressful events that can cause future generations' emotional behavior or metabolism, possibly through a chemical change to the DNA that turns genes on and off, a mechanism known as epigenetic inheritance. However, although epigenetic changes have been observed, identifying one's Uh, that are relevant is a bit like searching for a needle in a haystack. That's because so many gene behaviors or uh, metabolic diseases like obesity play into it. So the new scientist said that the the study published in the Nature Neuroscience provides, quote, some of the best evidence yet that behaviors can pass down to the next generation. This is a little bit fucked up, so I'm so sorry to all like the PETA enthusiasts that for whatever reason listened to In an experiment reminiscent of a clockwork orange... Researchers train male mice to fear the smell of a cherry blossom-like scent called Acetaphenon. I'm just going to call it cherry blossom scent from now on because this is a really... Acetaphenon. Acetaphenon. Yes, yeah, something like that. Cherry blossom scent. By inducing a... Sl- <laughs> this is really fucked up. I'm really... To the animal lovers, I'm sorry. By inducing slight shocks to every time the smell wafted into the animal's cages. After 10 days of this treatment, whenever cherry blossoms were in the air, they report the mice trained to fear it went on edge. Researchers found that those mice developed more smell receptors associated with that particular scent, which allowed them to detect it at lower concentrations. When researchers examined those male sperm, they found that the gene responsible for the cherry blossom scent detection was packaged differently compared to the other or the same gene in the control mice, so the mice that weren't shocked every time they smelled this cherry blossom scent after imprinting those males with the new fear of that flowery scent researchers inseminated females of the scared mice's sperm the baby mice never met their father but those sirened a blossom hating dad so whoever had the cherry blossom hating dad they had more of those smell receptors compared to the pups of born of other dads most were agitated when the cherry blossom scent was in the air the grandpups of the original mills had the same reaction. So bef- they didn't even get shocked. They didn't even know why they were scared of this thing. It's just, it was an inherited fear. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's really interesting.
0: So it's, I mean, the, the rest of this bit goes on to just talk more, more and more about those researchers. But like now we relate it back to Rob Yates and his grandmother. You want me to read some? Oh, no, you're good. I was just saying that's kind of how I applied this generational trauma link, because I remember hearing about this a while ago. And then as I was researching this topic, I was like, holy shit, this is connected, I think. Can't prove it, but we'll get more into that a little bit later. So back to Rob Lee Yates. And when I refer to Rob Jr. or Robert, I'm referring to Rob Lee Yates, not his dad. They both have the same name, Robert. So Rob Lee Yates was born May 27, 1952, in Oak Harbor, Washington, up near Woodby Island. He was a quiet kid. He liked peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Didn't like pork, and even had a dog named Lassie. He grew up in a religious household. His family were Seventh Day Adventists, and if that tells you anything. Like these, this religious group in particular is anticipating the rapture. Think bunker people. <laughs> B- bunker people. <laughs> So Rob Sr., his father, wanted to form a good bond with Rob Jr., so he coached him in Little League and encouraged participation in the church choir. They do all sorts of father-son activities, like going hunting, fishing, hiking, and typical P&W activities. The picture of a harmless, all-American family with a twinge of religious zest. These are just my own little notes here. They would probably be a MAGA family, or MAGA like anyway, they were like <laughs> anyway that was just an anyway. observation it was just an observation that's not fair I could not saying that. any that's all i'm gonna say and it anyway so this first trigger warning is the first of many so if you do not want to hear about sexual assault childhood sexual assault please this is not the episode for you go listen to some of our others so this is your trigger warning now okay and blood, guts. There's a whole, yeah, trigger warning. Rob Jr. was only six years old when an 11-year-old neighborhood kid molested him. It's not clear if the 11-year-old and Rob Jr. were friends, but either way, allegedly abused Rob. As with most cases with serial killers, he began hurting and torturing small animals at a young age. and 11-year-old Robert may have set fire to a house, but he was never charged or accused of arson. <laughs> As he got older... I don't know why. I just <clears throat> as he got older, he threw himself into sports in school. Rob was a pitcher for the Oak Harbor Wildcats. And his former teammates and classmates remember Rob remembered Rob as a quiet student who turned in assignments on time and didn't cause problems. He also had a steady girlfriend. In 1970, his 18-year-old girlfriend moved away. So instead of attending the homecoming dance, he and his friend skipped out just to go hang out. And they didn't smoke or drink or anything like that. They preferred... Fishing, hunting, camping, and stuff like outdoorsy stuff. And they shared the same like career aspirations, such as like, becoming a doctor or biologist or park ranger or what have you. The two friends set out with the goal of catching a 20-inch trout on their excursion. The trout was famous for living in an isolated lake in Washington's Cascade Mountains. In addition to loving this fish, Rob also loved eagles and one day dreamed of flying. Hint, hint. 1970 to 1972, after graduation, he attended Skagit Valley Community College and graduated with an associate's degree. While attending Skagit, Rob met a woman named Shirley Nylander. They married in 1972 and moved to enroll in Walla Walla College, a Seventh-day Adventist-run school. There, he pursued pre-med studies. So Walla Walla, the Walla Walla onion. There's your trivia fact, just so you know.
1: (laughs) Walla Walla, you said onion?
0: Mm -hmm. that's what washington's famous for their apples and their walla walla onions and their cherries and the rainier cherries they're also famous for that they're really good very very tasty cherries he's at this seventh day adventist school they probably teach bunker building i don't know (laughs) so anyway his marriage to shirley didn't last long and by 1974 shirley and robert divorced 18 months after irreconcilable differences. Shirley moved out of their apartment and returned home, though Rob did not contest. July 14th, 1974, Rob married Linda Brewer, almost immediately following his split from Shirley. Linda became pregnant, and Rob and Linda tried to tie the knot, but there was a bit of administrative messiness due to Rob and Shirley's divorce finalization. So it wouldn't be another month until his divorce is finalized, and then they could get married. So Linda discovered something off about Rob. You know, the first marriage didn't last very long. And I guess it took until a little bit to kind of notice some things. So one day she found a small man-made hole in the wall of their attic. Upon closer inspection, Linda realized that Rob drilled a spot to look into the next door neighbor's bedroom window to watch them have sex. The idea that her husband was a voyeur rattled Linda but the two reconciled and resumed the relationship. December 1974 to July 1975. Linda gave birth to a daughter named Sasha in December of 1974. Rob quit school to get a steady job. Rob's father worked as a corrections officer in the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. His father worked at the prison for 18 years and Rob decided to join him and become a correctional officer in July 1975. However, this career was short-lived as Rob displayed his erotic behavior and quit only after three to four months with no explanation for his resignation. Expert psychologists theorized the actual motive for this resignation stemmed from the fact that Rob began to kill. And after realizing what he did, Rob wanted to distance himself from the crime scene. So, now we get into the first of many murders. July 13, 1975, 21-year-old Patrick Oliver and 22-year-old Susan Savage were two close friends on a picnic at Mill Creek Park in Walla Walla. Both were well-liked and had good reputations in the small town. Patrick just returned from studying abroad in France, and Susan recently graduated from Washington State University. They agreed to meet in a local park known for its hiking trails and beautiful lakes, which Rob frequented for fishing excursions. That same day, Rob Jr. was in the same area. Based on the following events, we could speculate... Rob was doing a little target shooting practice. Walla Walla County Sheriff Mike Comfort spoke about the event where the case went cold for years, and it finally came to light that Rob Yates murdered Patrick and Susan in cold blood. The sheriff speculated, I think he went up there to target shoot like he normally did, and then when he came across these people, it happened. Rob Jr. shot Patrick three times. The last bullet was especially fatal and pierced his heart. Rob left Susan with two fatal gunshot wounds, one in the shoulder and the other one in her head behind her left ear. Another trigger warning, Rob placed Susan's body on top of Patrick in a specifically sexual manner. Rob covered both dead bodies in a pile of brush. Crime scene psychology experts explained that sometimes killers position the bodies of their victims in suggestive ways to send a message. According to author Peter Vronsky in his book Serial Killers, Method and Madness of Monsters, there are two ways a killer could position the body post-mortem. One is staging, when the killer arranges the corpses that are meant to confuse or mislead investigators. So, making it look like a murder-suicide. And then you have posing, when the killer arranges the corpses in a sexually or perversely manner, and the act fulfills perverse fantasies for the killer's pleasure, as shown in this case. Killers who do this do this for shock value, aiming to appall whoever finds the scene. Posing, side note, female victims pose unusually or perversely, Postmortem can indicate a sexual assault likely occurred, and it can also indicate a very hands on method of execution. In Bob's case, he shot both victims point blank, fitting the description of hands on in this case. The next day, Patrick's brother and his uncle noticed that Patrick and Susan never returned home. So they went looking over at Mill Creek Park, and Dan recalled seeing a strange disturbance in the debris near the edge of the creek, and only to discover the bodies of Patrick and Susan. He immediately notified law enforcement, and police began their investigation, pleading with the public to come forward with any tips or leads. Rob went unnoticed and was only convicted of the crime after confessing to it over two decades later. While police struggled to find a motive in a suspect, Rob found new employment as a movie theater usher. The summer of 1975, Rob and Linda moved back to Oak Harbor due to his mother's terminal cancer. Now 23 years old, Rob got a job as a janitor at the Whidbey Island Hospital, where his mother had previously worked as a housekeeping supervisor. His behavior got weird again, and then I I couldn't really tell from my research when he did this, so I'm just going to say he did this both times. There was an incident where he was pissed off at a co-worker, or he had just been fired. Regardless, he spread feces all over the business door. (laughs) So it's like... Even if my significant other spread shit on a door, I would start to get concerned. I don't know about you.
1: (laughs) Probably a red flag.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But anyway. So July 24th, 1976, Rob and Linda were officially and legally married with Rob's parents as witnesses. A few months later after the wedding, Rob's mom died on October 19th. 1976, family and friends noticed her death r- didn't really affect Rob much uh, as he explained that boys don't have a close relationship with their m- mothers to which I call bullshit but that's yeah, <laughs> yeah but people did say that Rob had a rough relationship with his mom. There was no case of abuse per se, like physical abuse, but she just, she was very hard on him. It's so it the
1: same mom that murdered the dad.
0: No, that's his grandma. Uh, grandma this is, sorry. yeah. So this is no. She has that's no relation. I'm sorry. It's okay. But it is interesting, right? It gets even more fucked up, and I'm so sorry to everybody. And there are a lot of notes, but it is all so fucking worth it. So October 14, 1977, following their first child's birth, Rob needed to find a steady career to support his family. He enlisted in the U.S. Army at age 25. Yeah. And he was among the more senior recruits. July 10th, 1977 to 1980. So, this is where we get into kind of his military background. So, this you guys should find interesting. The first part was a little bit dry, but you get a little bit of his background. Why the fuck is this weirdo who spread shit on a door? Why is he in the army? I mean, <laughs> we've signed waivers for we worse. S-
1: we still have those people now.
0: <laughs> that is. Fucking through. Oh my god, I don't want to think about that. I don't have to, because I'm out. And I can <laughs> smoke cheetah pits.
1: You're doing it right.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so, from 1977 to 1980, Rob attended the Warrant Officer Candidate School, a rigorous course. And I know it's not hard, but it's very meticulous by design, so you pay attention to small details. And my chief, I remember him talking. My old chief, he was talking about W. C. or warrant officer candidate school. Yeah, walk, and walks, walks, and it. What he said was they had very specific steps they had to do before everything. And if you fucked up, yeah, the, the whole thing. So that being said, I can only imagine that this attention to detail aided Rob in police evasion for years. Following walks. Rob attended flight school at Fort Rucker to fly the OH-58 Delta... Okay. Kiowa. Kiowa.
1: Rookie? Kiowa.
0: Kiowa. As I said!
1: Kiowa. Kiowa. That's...
0: What is... Okay,
1: you know what? What the fuck? Faster. Less syllable. Less syllabally. Kiowa.
0: I'm from the Midwest. It's a northern-ish thing, and it's a very...
1: A native tribe. Melodial-
0: was <laughs> it Melo- melodic? Melo- it's very rhythmic. That's the word. It's a very rhythmic a- accent. <laughs> we really like our vowels. <laughs> anyway, so 1980 to 1984, Rob became a geo-bachelor after receiving orders to... H- now you're going to make money of me for this. This is a German name. Hanau. H-A-N-A-U. Hanau, Germany, near Frankfurt with the 503rd aviation unit in Europe. Linda stayed behind in Washington with her daughters, and it's unclear if he killed anyone in Germany during this time, but we can speculate wildly that he probably did. 1984 to 1988, Rob moved back to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and worked as a support aviator in a brigade support company, Aviation Training Brigade. He later taught students to fly the Bell UH UH-60 Iroquois, nicknamed the Huey. So, the next page, (laughs) I was just thinking, Rob and Linda... Bob and Linda. <laughs> I, <can see> it. <laughs> I right? I'm gonna put these on the Instagram. There's more pictures. I put in a lot of pictures here for you. So on Instagrams. On it's gonna go on the Instagrams. And this next photo. This is a family photo if I've ever seen. But What of the little girls is even looking at the camera. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Why did our moms dress us like this? Why? Why the ruffles? Why do we look like we're wearing doilies?
1: It's napkins around your necks.
0: Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna have to cut this part. I'm gonna make note of this. But doesn't... Doesn't Rob kind of look like... From uh,
1: I don't remember what he fucking looks like. I don't... I know what you're, what you're saying. I oh my god. I can't...
0: Oh my God! Look him up. Look him up on like Facebook. I think his profile picture is probably there. I'll, I'll send it. I will send you. Oh, he yeah, ties. It he me. fucking ties. That was the first thing I said to myself when I saw his picture. I was like, "Holy shit!"
1: He doesn't look happy. <laughs> no.
0: Neither did. I. I'll just bleep his name out. It's fine. I didn't give anything specific <laughs> away. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not his unit or.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to give any of that away. Okay, <laughs> So when he came home on leave, they kept popping out kids, but Rob would rarely mention his wife and children to his colleagues. And when he snagged a pilot instructor position at Fort Rucker, he and Linda's relationship was on the rocks. But as any good housewife in the 70s without a bank account or credit card, she stayed with Rob for financial security and for a kid. So when people are saying that things are better way back in the day, yeah, we didn't have the ability to support ourselves on our own necessarily without having to tie it to our parents' money or anything like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moving on. So she stayed with Rob and the kids for security. To quote their kids, we want to be around our dad and we don't want to be poor and not have anything anymore. Linda honestly didn't mind the separation in the Geo Bachelor situation. The money made things difficult. So this was easier. In 1988, Rob returned to Washington on leave Around this time, Stacy Elizabeth Hahn was working as a sex worker. In July, Rob, now 36, solicited Stacy's services. He later returned to Fort Rucker upon completion of his leave. Fall of 1988, sometime after he had murdered Stacy, but before they found her body, Rob was sent to Geopagan... Wow. Geopagan... What is this? You try. What number is it? Uh... One, one, two. 112. Rob was sent back Gio, to... Geopitgen, <laughs> Germany. I think of it in like a jerk? Yeah. I, I will have to look the pronunciation up. So that is my mispronunciation for the day. Hopefully there's no, no. more. Didn't I ask you if there's any... There's no Russian words to you
1: asked. That's true. You got
0: me. Said nothing Just- about German. I forgot that this word was in here. I should have looked it up beforehand. So this town or this base was about 120 miles from Munich. We don't know if Rob killed anyone else while he was there. Uh, however, German authorities still consider him a potential suspect in 26 unsolved homicides. All still being investigated. Which makes me think like how the fuck have they not like turned anything up yet with all the DNA evidence advancements that we have? Are they just not talking? Is no one sending the email? I, like, I have yeah, questions.
1: I there needs to be, like, one thing to, like, motivate them to, like, start digging it up. Because, like, I don't know. I
0: feel You got to get case. Reddit involved. Get Reddit yeah, like, involved. You know, don't fuck with cats. That kind of thing.
1: Once the media is involved or Reddit or something, like, it won't be a cold case. So, like, oh, let's dig back into it.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll get back to that here in a bit. It's still unsolved, as I know right now. The December 19th. 88. yeah, December 1988, authorities found Stacy's body outside Mount Vernon. She was killed execution style, one shot to the head. Sources speculate this was the work of the Green River Killer, who had the same profile as Yates. We know it wasn't the Green River Killer because of Rob's confession years later, which played a crucial role in his trial. 1989, Linda, who's still in the States while Rob is away in Germany, gives birth to the couple's only son. Rob definitely favored his son and made it very obvious that he preferred his boy to the rest of his daughters. 1991 to 1995, Rob served as a senior flight instructor slash platoon leader at Fort Drum, New York. He taught soldiers to fly the the Kiowa...
1: There you go. That was better.
0: Okay, I just had to put a K in front of the word Iowa and then I'm fine. Kiowa. (laughs) Helicopters in the 3rd Battalion, 25th Aviation Regiment, Assault Helicopter Battalion, Fort Drum, New York. While at Fort Drum, he deployed—this is, this is an interesting part, so hope you're ready for this. While he was at Fort Drum, he deployed on various missions, including one to Somalia in late 1992 to early 1993. This particular mission is what made Rob famous at the time. He served in Operation Restore Hope in Somalia, where his fellow soldiers grew tired of MREs and wanted hot food for a change. So Rob fired up the Kiowa, flew over a forest, and shot a wild pig. The flight team gutted the pig and loaded it into the bird, excited for barbecue later that evening. The military didn't punish Rob as his superiors didn't take this stunt seriously. His leaders attempted to half-ass, like a half-ass corps marshal that never went anywhere. To the soldiers, with fresh meat for their troops and a kill for Rob, the whole scenario seemed like a win-win for everyone except the pig. Rob probably had the itch to kill, and this was his, quote, safe outlet. But we know that if a person hurts animals, they're likely to do, hurt, harm others or do so in the future. That's why animal abuse calls receive faster response times and more thorough investigations than domestic violence calls. And that kind of fucked up. But it's true. So he saved some leave and returned to Washington to purchase his prized possession, a white 1977 Corvette. Subtle, not so much. And then he had to rush back to New York and then go to Haiti. So I kind of wonder if he and my dad were in Haiti around the same time. I think they might have been. The same no, they might have. Said... No, he's not. No, he's not.
1: If you're seeing your dad and him in the same place. Before?
0: No, but I, I'm going to ask him. I am I, I asked him about it and it, nothing rang a bell. And I'm going to ask him again because of this. Now that it mentioned, uh, you know, that they were probably in Haiti around the same time. Okay. So July nineteen ninety five to March nineteen ninety six. Fort Rucker called and Rob answered. By this time Rob was CW Three Gates, instructor for First Battalion 200, 2 two two twelfth Aviation Reg- Regiment. Wow, this is really hard for me right now. Cheetah is getting me. Rob likely <laughs> Yeah. Two 212th? two twelfth.
1: 2- two twelfth. hundred twelfth, whatever.
0: Sure. Two one two. Two one two. Rob likely murdered a transgender woman named Terion Corbett while at Fort Rucker. Police speculate he may or may not have had sex with her, but also speculate that he may have shot Terion out of rage. I never thought I'd have to reiterate this point, but being transgender does not give anyone the right to kill you, period, full stop. Even if you're, even in this scenario where the perpetrator felt like they were duped, you don't need to fucking kill them. Just say nope, no thank you. Please exit my vehicle, and everyone use, can go away fine. Use your words. Use your words. Just talk the situation down. Don't don't hurt anybody. But, okay. So a week after the murder, Rob graduated from the permanent structure pilot course, and a few months later received his Master Army Aviator badge for his 15 years as a pilot. So I included a picture of the Aviator badge. During his... Wow. Mm, during his military service, Yates received several distinguished awards and medals, including three Meritorious Service Medals. God damn you. Fuck you. They, I didn't even get one of those. I've never gotten one of those. <laughs> A
1: Amer- Meritorious Service
0: Medal? No, never did. Not even for my ETS award. And I think it's because they started my award way too fucking late. So, but then people would be like, well, you should have written it way before. I shouldn't have to write my fucking award. Okay, I have enough things to worry about. Like getting out of the army. Anyway, it's fine. I really don't give a shit. So three ARCOMs, three Army Achievement Medals, and two Armed Forces Expeditionary Medals. April 1996, I'm three years old. It's just a Sesame Street at this point, and it's one year post Denver Airport.
1: (laughs) Okay, one year post. All right, I know exactly what year it is.
0: Okay. (laughs) It's a good reference. With the military drawdown, a $20,000 retirement paycheck per year seemed like a pretty good deal to Crazy Bob. He remarkably, or he, wow, he retired honorably from active duty and moved his family back to South Hill near Spokane. Rob remained in the Washington National Guard, likely to maintain certain health care benefits. The decision to go guard likely stemmed from Rob's desire to flee the area while police were investigating the murder of on Corbett. While serving in the National Guard, Yates attained the rank of Chief Warrant Officer 4 and was the only commander of the guard east of the Cascade Mountains for the OH-58 Kiowa Scout helicopter making him a very valuable commodity his fellow guardsmen and guardswomen characterized him as a true professional who was proficient at his job okay rob would travel across the state probably salivating at the thought of new hunting grounds near joint base lewis mccord yes i wrote these notes <laughs> so, I'm, surprised,
1: like, I'm surprised that he had an actual military career oh like everyone else we cover is like a one and done, they do three years, and they're out. But this Mm -hmm. is the whole ass DW4, you know. Yeah. Pretty surprised.
0: I mean, it was around this time, they were gathering like DNA, like blood DNA. I don't know. I don't know if it's legal for blood to be subject to criminal investigations. I really don't know. But you would think maybe, if you're able to use it in If you're able to use 23andMe, like, (coughs) law enforcement can use that to cross-reference, like, stuff from crime scenes, you would think that they'd be able to use the military's database.
1: Yeah. maybe. I don't know. Who knows, though? There's also so many weird, like, legalities between the two.
0: Where's the lawyers? I have not one. Okay. So the Yates marriage. There's actually one I- There's actually- I
1: do have one now that we could use. Oh, a lawyer? Yeah, she's a lawyer in the Air Force. Or well, Jag's in the Air Force, too, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, what is it called? No, I'm thinking of something different. OSI? Oh, that's like their CID. Their
1: CID. Yeah, I forget. I think Jag's through all... I don't know, she's a lawyer. Yes. In the Air
0: Force. And does lawyer things. Like, law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll,
1: the law part. <laughs> we'll edit this, and I can find out more
0: Okay, well, I mean, fuck it. We'll probably figure it out here in a little bit. Okay. Oh, so the eighth's wow. marriage, not too much further. You Just good?
1: Coughed out my back. Okay. That's normal. Keep going. Well,
0: I mean, hopefully it popped. So <coughs> <right there. clears throat> Rob and Linda realize they're in a loveless marriage, but decide to stay together for the kids. This marriage needed couple's therapy a long time ago. But no, they chose to suffer through the marriage. Rob's savings were drying up because his retirement package wasn't enough to sustain his wife and five kids, and Rob had to return to work. Despite his decorated military career, Rob struggled to adapt to the civilian workforce. 44-year-old Rob finally took up a job working at an aluminum smelter. Like, that is, like, the story. Like, they get out, and they're just like, what do I do now? uh, All I know is Army. (laughs) And then they become range control. I'm surprised you didn't do that, honestly.
1: That's not a warrant officer job. That's a retired sergeant major job. Fuck range control. They're the fucking worst. (laughs) We were out,
0: we were out, and it was negative. Go, go at it. Just let it out.
1: We were out recently. It was like negative three degrees. Snowing, the whole whatever, what have you. And we were in the tree line outside of, not on OP, outside of, like, in the wood line. Not doing any type of training, we're waiting. We started a small fire. I made it, dug so safe, dug it, put rocks around it, like <laughs> in the middle of a field. Well not in a field, but near a tree line. But again, two degrees, like uh some fucking asshole, I don't know where the fuck he came from. Drives that up
0: fucking asshole.
1: <laughs> makes us put it out, cit gives like, a citation to all the RSOs. He's like, you can't have a fire unless they have a CG memo. Like, dude, fuck you. You're in your goddamn Ram 250 with the heat on. We're dying out here. Rick. Anyway.
0: I'm picturing you giving him the finger as he's driving off.
1: Once he left, Wood kept accidentally falling into the fire for a little bit longer. Then that's when he came back and gave us the
0: citation. (laughs) Just nudge some brush over, like, oh, no, the leaves, they fell into the fire.
1: Kind of, sort of. Oh, Being no,
0: like the this, highest... this citation, Being, it fell into the fire.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Being at the highest-ranking enlisted person, I'm like, oh, it's crazy. Like, it's still, it's still going, it won't go out.
0: <laughs> okay, well, they probably I'm also... Gonna... Sh-
1: You're going to say shit? What'd you say?
0: No, I said, well, these range control folks probably also share the same thing as Rob. So, like range control, Rob had erectile dysfunction, which caused him a lot of embarrassment in the bedroom after he left the active duty life behind. It is common and treatable, however. So, erectile dysfunction and violence, however... In hindsight, the police questioned whether Rob's erectile dysfunction could have been part of what caused his contact with sex workers to turn violent. Rob could have felt such intense shame about issues performing that he killed anyone who witnessed his embarrassment. A 2009 study in the Journal of Emergency Medicine looked to determine if erectile dysfunction influenced sexual violence and the assaults of 569 women. The study found that when the male perpetrators experienced erectile dysfunction, 60% 60% of the women in the study experience more physical coercion and genital trauma. So... Genital Yes. It's saying that if somebody who is going to assault somebody like, has erectile dysfunction, they're more likely to hurt the person that they're with. Yeah. So, it's sad, but...
1: I would, anyway. I would just kill myself, honestly. Oh my god. <laughs> Once I can't have sex, just, I'm just going to kill
0: you myself. You can pop a blue pill. Literally, they give them out so like, candy for you guys. Like, you only have well, to sign a copay if you don't let's even. Let's just say that.
1: Is that a sure thing? Does that is that yeah. a sure thing that works? I don't it, know that,
0: but. <laughs> a lot of people say it's for a heart condition. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's for high blood pressure.
0: What? How much did the DoD spend on Viagra? I feel like it was. Oh, my God. It was upwards of billions of dollars. I remember this because I, it was like around the time people were like complaining not to get political here because I do want to move on. But people were complaining about, oh, the army's going to pay for surgeries for transgender folks. Even if they did, the cost of that alone because of the percentage is so fucking low and the amount that we spent on Viagra because PFC so-and-so told his provider like, oh, hey, I I stress and I can't get it up. When it's really just a boner pill if he's drank a little bit too much whiskey. And we're yeah, spending billions of dollars on this shit.
1: The percentage of people who probably actually don't have EDs. I can imagine. Everyone lies in their fucking...
0: I mean, we got a lot of old clients. people in the army, but I'm I'm just What's saying... The-
1: but yeah, they're all old, but they have eleven kids, and they're fucking fine. They just want they want more of a disability. than mm. say your dick don't doesn't work. <laughs> I have too much pride. I'm not. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> then I'll start killing them if they know about it.
0: Oh my it God, time. no, no, don't fool crazy Bob. So speaking of crazy Bob, one day Rob's nineteen-year-old daughter Sonia. Found her father's address book in her lunch pail. First of all, what the fuck was it doing in her lunch pail? (laughs) So she read through it and noticed her father filled the pages with names and numbers of women that she didn't know. So being the nosy 19-year-old she is, she decides to call each of the numbers and ask how they know her father. None of the women knew who her father was. Sonia now thoroughly creeped the fuck out, confronted her dad. Rob scolded her, then told her she was he was buying used car parts from the women in the address book. His wife became suspicious and noticed all the bank statements reflecting ATM withdrawals. But when she confronted Rob, he told her to get a job. Fuck. Like, he's a fucking douchebag. His co-workers noted his affinity for muscle cars as his collection grew to three. Gotta keep the rotation going. Yeah, no? Yenna. Yeah, no. He wasn't subtle about it either and Rob would openly work on and clean his cars in the family front lawn before the entire neighborhood. His neighbors chalked it up to him being a quirky man who loved his cars. In reality, he was likely cleaning the blood off of each of every inch of his prized vehicles. His neighbors often did the lousy dad joke of oh, you gonna wash my car next, Bobby? So oh yeah, let me get this blood stain real quick.
1: <laughs> Your wife's next. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Um, I included a picture of his possession, the 1977 white Corvette. This is not a subtle car. Like, this is a very easily identifiable car. And this is really important later when we talk about when the police start catching on to him. It's really frustrating what happened. But anyway, I digress. We'll post a picture of it on the Instagram. Okay. East Sprague Avenue. I think it might be Sprague. East Sprague Avenue. I put a uh, picture of a map on here, where the little red dot is, that's around where he... That, that was his hunting grounds in Spokane. Uh, I oh guess now God. it's over where Costco is now. Costco, Lowe's, and a McDonald's. You got a Fred oh, Meyer man. over there. Okay. You got a Spokane County Fair and Expo Center.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: That- it's up yeah. NAR. The
1: The accent. <laughs>
0: Okay. So Rob had had a steady job, but he missed flying. His goal was to fly helicopters again, and the Lieutenant Colonel Patterson Air Guard, like National Guard, it was like some big deal he was trying to fly for. However, he was a grounded pilot as he waited for a medical evaluation and the paperwork to clear him to fly, which didn't bode well. Rob's restlessness emerged on the most dangerous street in Spokane, Washington. He frequently went to East Frog Avenue, an area riddled with crime, drugs, human trafficking, the works. This environment was like shooting fish in a barrel for Rob's target demographic. As you can guess by now, the victims he chose are vulnerable people, namely women who are runaways, estranged from family, or off the grid. They were often addicts, and Rob preyed on their vulnerability. These women who had died at the hands of Rob Yates were sex workers. However, before I continue, I just would like to mention that sex work is work, and nobody has the right to hurt you or use that as a justification for killing you. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Get over yourselves. Back to my story. Okay. Beautiful
1: plug. Good plug. Thank you.
0: Thank you. May 27th, 1997, a fucking month after he gets out to the Washington National Guard. East Sprague Avenue worker, sex worker, 38-year-old Shannon Zelensky was a heroin addict and a former waitress with a criminal record of drug possession. She hopped into Rob's car, never to be seen alive again. A few weeks later, two high school boys investigated a rotting smell near their school bus stop at the base of Mount Spokane. The smell got progressively worse over a few days, and they reasoned it was probably an animal carcass of some kind. But what they found was far beyond what therapy could do for these boys during the 90s. Under some low-hanging pine branches, the boys spotted a rotting corpse, maggots participating in the circle of life in an uber-macabre manner. The remains belonged to Shannon Zelensky. The boys ran home, contacted the police, and showed the authorities where they found the body. Due to the lack of disturbed brush in the area, investigators deduced that the murder occurred elsewhere, especially with the lack of blood in the immediate area. There were gunshot wounds to the head, and police were unsuccessful in retrieving a sperm sample due to the decomposition rate. Police found no form of identification during the investigation, but fingerprint databases later identified the body as that of Shannon Zelensky. So the maggots play an important role here because forensic entomologists use larvae to determine the date that the killer would have dumped her body in the area, uh, thanks to the short life cycles of blowflies. A few factors, such as temperature, can slow the larva development, but investigators were able to t- determine their date of death around May 26th or 27th, 1997. Rob wasn't a suspect, and folks reasoned Shannon had met her fate at the hands of a drug dealer she recently ripped off in the area. However, just because police weren't aware of any strange behaviors from Rob, Linda was becoming increasingly aware of her husband's disturbing pastimes. According to what Linda told the detectives, Rob had taken his daughter to work around 11 p.m. and returned at 6.30 a.m. the following day. When she opened the door for him, he came inside and retrieved cleaning supplies to clean out the back of his vehicle. The rear of the van, she said, contained a fold-down bed. Linda told detectives that Rob said that he accidentally hit a, dog that ran in front of his car. He lied, saying he stopped, put the dog in the car, and drove it to the veterinarian, and the injured dog bled all over the cushion. She said he removed the seat cushion and replaced it with another. Yikes. <laughs> so, between 1988 and 1998, Rob murdered at least 15 Spokane area sex workers. Investigators established the killer's patterns in MO as he would target sex workers and drug addicts, lure them into his car, shoot them execution style, and finish the kill with a plastic bag wrapped around the victim's head to contain the blood. At that time, he moved the body to another location. Many of the murders occurred while Rob was waiting his medical evaluation to fly helicopters in the National Guard. The next few victims, right? Like, he got bored. Like, he couldn't fly. So he's like, oh, might as well just kill some sex workers.
1: So I started blasting.
0: I It's not funny. I'm sorry. This is a very heavy episode, but it's it gets it. The end is worth it. Just trust trust. So I'm going to keep going through here. Okay, there's still pictures. So not too much further. Uh, okay, so 11 more victims were discovered around Washington State. He would drive into town, venture over to East Sprague Avenue and start hunting new victims. His youngest victim was Jennifer Joseph at 16 years old. She had a rough life and fell victim to unfortunate life circumstances. She would often lie to customers, saying she was 19. She was part Korean and would use this to market herself as exotic, even using the name Jennifer Kim to lean into that character. She was popular and built up a client list, earning her hundreds of dollars a night. And I just want to point out that there were studies done around Asian fetishization, and one in particular was done by the University of North Texas. Asian or part Asian sex workers made an average of $50 more and spent pro- approximately 20 minutes more time with their client than other sex worker demographics. Part of this is due to fetishization of Asian women seeing them as submissive. Okay. It, this is a topic for another time. Probably, like We'll probably have to do a Japan episode because the whole waifu anime thing, it's it's all oh, so... Oh yeah, we, to- we talked <sighs> about this. It's so creepy. They look like children. They all are. They all have like baby faces by design. It's so fucking gross. Uh okay. Yeah, there's. It's. Uh, stop putting the. Stop putting that shit on your cars. This is to all the listeners out there. Stop putting that shit on your cars. God. Especially anyway. the
1: soldiers. Uh, you always see soldiers do
0: it. Mhm. Yeah. No. There is what the senpai squad car. I'm sorry if you're a listener, but please take that off your vehicle. Don't judge much, but that's just one thing that kind of gives me the ick.
1: Ick? Wait. Mm. Was it you I was talking about the ick with?
0: I I don't think so, but I've definitely mentioned it to somebody. Probably wasn't me, but...
1: My friend's girlfriend is like... For me, it's young. She's 23. And she was talking about something giving her the ick, and I had no idea what the fuck she was talking about.
0: <laughs> well, no, giving the ick is like you're it's dating, like, yeah, you're dating somebody, like, oh, and then they do something, and it's just like that that turning point. You're just like, mm, no, I'm done.
1: It's cringe.
0: Yeah, it usually is like first dates, you know. So it's it, if somebody doesn't want to talk to you anymore, and you're like, oh, I thought that went great. They probably got the ick from you <laughs> in one way or another. Don't take it personally.
1: I'm learning so much. Keep going.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. Jennifer came from a military family, and when her parents divorced, she endured a rough patch. She lived with her father in Tacoma, but moved in with a man named Marlon, and it's unclear if he was her pimp. August 16th, 1997, Jennifer hops into a white Corvette driven by Crazy Bob, oblivious to the fact that this was a death sentence driven by by a nerd with mommy issues. He commented on her ethnicity, saying she looked beautiful and exotic. He took Jennifer to a secluded area, and evidence suggests there was sexual contact, but there were also violent marks on Jennifer. She never returned to Marlon, heartbroken assuming she left him. He packed up and moved out of the motel where they were living at the time. August 26, 1997, a farmer couple working on their alfalfa field near Mount Spokane. What a fucking Washington sentence right there. Smelled something terrible. They... Followed the scent to Jennifer's body, which Rob hastily had covered with debris. That same day, Vietnam veteran Larry Jones was around the area looking for empty soda cans to recycle for change in an overgrown lot on the East Springfield Avenue. There, he noted a rotting corpse of another sex worker, Heather Hernandez. Not much is known about Heather as she was a drifter from Phoenix, Arizona. Heather didn't talk to too many people out in the area aside from the HIV clinic counselor Lynn Everson. Lynn claims that she never saw Heather drink or do drugs, had a level head, and was responsible given her circumstances. Heather was last seen around August 23rd, 1997, hopping into the white Chevy Corvette. With both bodies discovered on the same day, police believed that the murders might be linked, and authorities ordered the search for evidence to support the theory. Police were now looking for a white Corvette and a white van. September 1997. This is the part where it's so frustrating because they like had him and then they didn't. And this will happen a couple more times, so this is the first of many. So in September 1997, police officer Corey Turman was on patrol of East Sprague Avenue. He noticed a white Corvette that matched the description of the potential murder suspect and waited for Rob to fuck up so he could pull him over. As if he manifested the thought, Crazy Rob pulled an illegal turn without using his turn signal. Officer Turman quickly pulled Rob over and took a shit ton of notes from the interaction, noting how clean and well cared for the car was. However, because the officer accidentally wrote Camaro instead of Corvette, the report never passed the usual traffic violation paperwork pile. Rob carried on killing, unaware that police were poking and prodding. Investigation fully underway. So because oh, he accidentally wrote Camaro, like, any white... That's the way, like, if you're too specific, then that shit, like, will slip through the cracks. Like a white sports car or a white... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you're not sure... I can figure out, as soon as I see the album, I know what kind of car it is, but yeah, Especially if I see, like, like a, a white, yeah.
1: I mean, obviously the cops is a he's a silly goose, but <laughs> that is, that's pretty sure. A silly
0: goose. But, yeah, you would think, I don't know. I would have just, if I were the chief of police, what I would have done differently was just white sports car. All of them. But specifically focusing on The Corvette. This is October now. October 1997. 29-year-old Darla Scott. Darla Scoot. Wow. Darla Sue Scott was the next victim. As a sex worker, she had gone on a few dates with Rob before her death. Darla told her boyfriend that the client could be aggressive at times, but he paid well and gave her drugs, so Darla made excuses and continued seeing him. Again, vulnerable people etc. Darla didn't want this life and attempted rehab a few times, though she was unsuccessful maintaining the sober lifestyle. She even tried a pregnancy as motivation to obtain sobriety. Sadly, that failed, too. One night, she left her on-again, off-again boyfriend at home as she went to go meet up with Rob. Her boyfriend, Arthur, recalled the Mickey Mouse t-shirt being the outfit of the night she disappeared. It's unclear why Rob tried to bury Darla after he murdered her the way he murdered other victims. This is the weird part. So, he took Darla's body near a small creek and off Hangman Valley Road, and dug a shallow grave. The people think that maybe it's because the boyfriend may have gotten a look at him, and so he wanted to hide the body a little bit better. So, that's why. But she was discovered by a man walking. His dog smelled the body and blah, blah, blah. Darla's boyfriend, Arthur, identified her body as a Mickey Mouse shirt confirmed the worst. November 1997. 34-year-old Linda Mabin told her friend Brian that she was scared of the Spokane killer and, And, quote, had an idea of who was killing the prostitutes. She also told her friend that she was afraid that she might be next. Brian knew that Linda frequently used crack cocaine, so he wasn't sure if he should take what she said seriously at the time considering extreme paranoia that comes from the regular use of crack cocaine. November 22nd, the pair made dinner plans, but Darla never showed up. Brian began to panic, rushed to her apartment, and knocked on the door, relieved when she answered. However, she got a call from Robert requesting her services. She told Brian that she'd be back in 20 minutes. Ryan helplessly watches Linda climbed into Crazy Bob's Corvette. Twenty minutes, huh? Twenty minutes. I'll be back in twenty. No, nope, never came back.
1: I know that... <laughs> I know this guy. You know this guy? Um, uh, no. She knows. Like she knows him. Mm-hmm. She knows he takes 20, 20 minutes. I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if like he goes out intentionally killing. Sometimes he does, but I. That's why I think that at least the ones that he confesses to. He probably remembers killing them because he remembers how embarrassed he was because of his erectile dysfunction. That's my theory.
1: It's So fucked up. This never happens to me.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> this
1: never happens.
0: Oh, okay. Though Dar- Darla's body remained undiscovered, Rob had an inkling the police were catching on to him. So what did he do? He signed up for more training opportunities at JBLM while he waited for his flight, pla- flight packet to clear. December 1997, Rob was at JBLM around the Tacoma area. The same weekend, the corpse of Linda Mercer's body ended up in a South Tacoma field, dark naked, except for the signature plastic bags. However, Melinda was from Seattle. Police speculate that someone killed her elsewhere as her body was abandoned in a field as a way for the killer to cover their tracks. Tacoma police noticed similarities to the Spokane murders, but before they started investigating Melinda's murder, Rob had left town to spend Christmas with his family. The Christmas thing? We're getting it. It's so fucked up. December 16th, 1997, Rob left to go Christmas shopping, but decided that he needed to kill someone first. Dumbass turned on East Sprung Avenue in his white Corvette, spotted sex worker Sean L. Johnson. And he had seen her a few times before, but never picked her up until that day. The minute she climbed into his car, he knew he wanted to kill her, which he did. He shot her in the head while having sex. He went to a sewage plant outside of town where he figured it smelled so bad there anyway that it would be months, maybe years, before anyone found her remains. He watched as Sean's body fell directly on top of another body he dumped, Darla Scott's body. But yeah, but the sewage plant turned out to be a terrible hiding spot. Or maybe it wasn't Darla Scott, because he buried Darla. Melinda. I can't remember. Now, anyway, I'll have to go back. I think I mixed something up here. But regardless, body landed on another body. Bodies are literally stacking up. Pun fully intended here. This is getting out of control. Authorities connected the murders, but their most significant obstacle to overcome was gaining public empathy and avoiding apathy. Officers continuously pleaded with news outlets not to refer to the killings as the prostitute murders. Public opinion of sex workers was even less favorable in the 90s, and the public seemed to care less about the deaths of sex workers. I'm not saying it's right. It's just that was the time. Yeah. And even now, people are really... awful about anyway Lynn Everson our trusty HIV clinic counselor found that sex workers were primarily looked down upon and seen as lesser human beings people say if the women weren't out on the streets this wouldn't happen to them and they would not have been killed or hurt and this is a clear case of blaming the victim December 1997 Lynn Linda sent Rob to the store to buy a missing ingredient for Christmas dinner out of habit he drove to East Sprague Avenue where he picked up 39 year old sex worker L- Sean McClellahan. She was crying, and Rob picked her up. She opened up to him about her struggles. He listened, and with a twisted thank you, she performed oral sex on him. He shot her in the back of the head, contained the blood in a plastic bag, and dumped the body in a ditch off East 14th Street. When McClellan's body didn't hit the ground as expected, he looked over and laughed at what he saw. He had dumped McClellan's body on top of another corpse. Rob blew the kiss of the- yep. Rob blew the bodies a kiss goodbye and then hurried home. He still had a few gifts to wrap for the kids before dinner. Meanwhile, the other woman left in the ditch was 31 year old Lori Watson. On Christmas fucking morning, next day, Rob picked up another woman. Sunny Oster. Sunny was battling a cocaine addiction since she was 17. She had two sons in their 20s who desperately wanted their mother to go to rehab. Her family loved her and they were rooting for her sobriety, but she relapsed after her stay at a rehab facility in October. She cut off contact with her family, likely out of embarrassment for relapsing, and on Christmas Eve, her family reported her missing. She hopped into Rob's car on Christmas Day. On February 8th, 1998, a woman discovered Sunny's remains while walking her dog. April 1998. We're almost done, because it's getting there. 1998. Authorities discovered Linda Maven's body in a (coughs) ditch 50 yards from where Sean McCullahan's body was found. May 12th, 1998. 43-year-old sex worker Melody Murphy met Rob on East Frog Avenue before her death Melanie resorted to petty theft in exchange her stolen purchases for cash. Dee had two daughters and was dating a man who fueled her drug addiction. That night, Rob was in his white Corvette and pulled up to her. Not long after entering his car, she was dead. The next part is super heinous. And so when you see guys, like, with the gloves on and they're, like, digging around. Instead of dumping her body like he did with all the others, he buried her body in his backyard. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. same
1: house with his
0: family and shit? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's... Yep, it's May. It's time to do yard work. I had to plant the bushes anyway. I don't know. Like, it's it's so fucked up. Ugh. So, even though police lacked a physical body, the police treated her disappearance as a homicide. They used news outlets to ask the public to come forward if anyone had any information. I feel like I remember watching this like, in kindergarten. I don't know why, but I feel like my... Yeah, or maybe it was a rerun of America's Most Wanted. Do you remember that? Like, the whole Stranger Danger thing in the 90s?
1: More than you, come on.
0: But you remember I that, right?
1: There.
0: You were there. Yeah. It's... I feel like I, wa- I may... I'm gonna have to look this episode up of America's Most Wanted. Okay. May 4th, 1998, when news stations warned the public to be on the lookout for a white Corvette, Rob sold his beloved car to a woman named Rita Jones. Rita recalled that she couldn't believe the cleanliness of the car given the price that he was selling it for. Little did she know that Rob had to replace the bloody carpet before selling the car. Rita Jones became the official owner of the covert murder mobile, as stated on the title paperwork used later in court. July 1998, 47-year-old sex worker... Michelle Durning was last seen on July 3rd, 1998. She was supposed to go on a trip with a friend, but she was known for being flaky and she fell to hard times after, like at 19, her mom died and she just became an addict. She moved to Spokane from California, eventually meeting Rob and her untimely death. Her body was found under an old hot tub cover among other debris in the area. The area nearby was the Kaiser aluminum plant where Rob worked for two years. Police questioned several plant employees, including Rob himself, about the murder. He slipped away yet again. Like, he probably felt so proud of himself when the police were asking him, like, do you know anything about this? And in his mind, he's like, yeah, I fucking did it. I would Mm. just be like, oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah." He probably knows the shit. Yeah, he probably. Fucking creep. August 1st, 1998. Rob picked up 32-year-old Christine Smith in his white van. She gave him her rates and made a joke, not joke, asking if he was a Spokane killer. He told her no, that he was a family man and a pilot in the National Guard. Christine, satisfied with that logic, began performing oral sex. After a few minutes, Rob couldn't get it up. Christine sensed his frustration and tried to defuse the situation. She then felt a sharp pain on the side of her head, assuming he had smacked her. Christine felt herself slipping in and out of consciousness and saw blood. Rob had shot her, but she didn't even hear the gunshot, but the sight of blood was enough for her, so she escaped the vehicle. She ran a few blocks down to a medical center where the staff assisted in transporting her to the emergency room. Christine had a half-inch cut behind her head, and the doctors didn't even know that it was a gunshot wound at the time. It would only come to, light like years later when Christine went to the doctor for an unrelated incident where doctors discovered shrapnel—wow, shrapnel still lodged in her head. Mm-hmm. She didn't go to the police because she didn't want to get arrested and charged for her sex work. As serial killers continue killing, they tend to get sloppy. The killers will leave crucial evidence at the crime scene they haphazardly covered, or their family members catch on to strange behaviors. Linda Yates noticed credit card bills with charges to a place called Al's... Al's Spa Tub Motel. Al Spa Tub Motel. Where the motel charged by the hour yeah ish and I looked it up just <laughs> just to see what research, it looked like research I, purposes I yes and there's there is a Yelp review. there was one it was like nothing and then there was another one. it was this whole thing <laughs> And to quote the Yelp review Alice is exactly what you expect from a motel that offers hourly rates. They have the rooms with hot tubs and rooms without. <laughs> like a hot tub the- and <laughs> all the rooms. And- the- yeah, this is it still there? Yeah.
1: For research purposes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It apparently it's being torn down as of this year. There was announcements that it is being torn down. All the rooms include a stale cigarette smell, no extra charge. The office is a small hallway where the guy sits behind a window with a slot in front for passing money. FYI, they have a very strict rule about checking IDs. But they do offer Al's t-shirts for sale. <laughs> I didn't it's... even read this. I just copy-pasted it. This is a cold read. <laughs> and they have plenty of contents for everything. Saving the store. This
1: place sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> Condoms hopefully get used. Okay. Eh, since, eh. since we were living it up at the classy <laughs> joint, we decided to rent one of the rooms with a hot tub for the night. The charge? 69 bucks, of course, plus tax. Fucking hell. They know it. They just leaned into it. With entering the room, the first thing you notice is the cigarette and disinfectant smell, which is good because it means it's clean, right? <laughs> Once you get used to the smell, you can begin to enjoy some of the finer things Owl provides. Instead of a mirror in the bathroom, it's a polished metal. But don't worry, the hot tub is surrounded by mirrors, so you can use those if necessary. (laughs) The room has a little sofa next to it in the door. I'm assuming it could be used as a blockade for the door if necessary. We chose not to touch it. The bed was a little lopsided and lumpy, but oh, why would you lay in it? (laughs) Once you've removed the comforter out of fear it hasn't been washed recently, take an ambient, you'll sleep just... (laughs) Fine. The hot tub was a fun little item. I but by, by little I mean it was really narrow and deep. You could fit a couple people in it as long as you're sitting and not planning on lounging. And it works well for getting naked and fooling around. <laughs> Which also what also helps with the fooling around is the free porn on TV. If you're looking for an interesting experience and can handle the kind of this kind of place, I would totally recommend Al's. The kind of Uh-oh. motel classy guys like me like to take classy girls. <laughs> off to this Yelp review. <laughs> okay. Like, Family
1: suspicion.
0: Yeah, whatever. Alright, we got like very, very- we've got two more pages left. Please bear with me. I will be quick. Linda confronted Rob about his spending habits and motel charges. Rob brushed her off, claiming he likes to use the hotel hot tubs to soothe his sore muscles after working at the Kaiser Aluminum Factory. This piece of shit also frequently hired sex workers and would bring them to Al's spa, tub, motel- He began wearing cologne, which if you're in a loveless marriage like the one that they were in, it's no surprise Linda suspected that Rob was having an affair. But since she didn't have a job and she filled the role of the homemaker, she remained in the god awful marriage. When you ask why she stayed, Linda reasoned, I grew up with the old fashioned values. When you marry, you marry. Meanwhile, Rob took for better or worse to a new level. He continued volunteering for National Guard training trips for the pay and change of scenery for his grotesque idea of fun. In September of 1998, Rob lost his job at Pantrol as part of a reduction in force. So I think this might be where he like smeared shit on the door. So yeah, it's it's just bizarre. And then in October of 1998, 35-year-old sex worker Connie LaFont Ellis also met her untimely death at the hand of Crazy Rob. When d- authorities discovered her body, they found it had already been heavily decomposed. Connie, who died from a gunshot wound to the head, had the telltale plastic bag cinched around her head. Police immediately knew this was a Spokane killer. November 1998.
1: That this fucking guy killed.
0: We'll get to it. Rob had encounters with the police before the holidays. Once when he picked up a sex worker, she told him to tell the officers her father and him worked together and he picked her up from work. And once again, after an altercation between Sonia, Rob's eldest daughter, Sonia was growing suspicious and this escalated to a domestic dispute. Police arrived at the Yates household that left without pressing charges. Rob told them it was a misunderstanding and the charges were dropped on the condition. He stayed out of trouble while Rob continued to evade law enforcement. Police found Rita Jones's information while combing through vehicle registrations. The title revealed Robert Lee Yates as the previous owner. September 15, 1999 police called in for questioning and boy, he was a nervous, sweaty mess when police asked Rob about a previous traffic stop involving a white Camaro. Rob corrected the police. Well, actually, it was a white Corvette. Like, you dumb ass. Actually. Actually, it was a white Corvette. So, dumb, officers so. were almost sure they had the Spokane killer within reach. When they asked Rob if he wouldn't mind providing blood samples to clear his name, Rob said he'd have to, quote, talk it over with the missus first. This raised suspicions even more. The one thing police noticed was how sweaty he was during questionings. Quote, It seems that Mr. Yates sweated way too much. And he refused to submit a blood sample, which placed him in an even smaller pool of suspects. January 7th, 2000, I was in first grade. Rita Jones permitted officers to examine her new Corvette. No matter how clean the car looked, the fibers found in the vehicle closely matched those of Jennifer's body in April. I'm not really sure what closely matched means, but yeah. April 10, 2000, police obtained a search warrant to inspect the Corvette more closely, revealing blood smears that matched Jennifer's blood under the passenger seat and a missing button from her blouse. Jennifer's blood, button, hair, and clothing fibers were all in the Corvette, not Camaro, and were more than enough to bring Robert to the police station. Authorities arrested Robert Yates for the alleged murder of Jennifer Joseph. April 21, 2000, DNA found on the bodies of Darla Scott, Lori Wasson, and Linda Mabin all matched that of Robert Yates. Rob's fingerprints covered the plastic bags also that he used, and they tied them to the murders. Isn't that crazy that like fingerprints on a plastic bag? After all the shit that it goes through, like it still will show the fingerprint. That's just fucking crazy. I can't get away with shit. If I tried to murder somebody, I'd be caught immediately. My dog sheds so much; she would give me away. His hair
1: back to Daisy.
0: I know. And if somebody tried to murder me. My hair would be all over them. My dog's hair would be all over them. Like, just don't come murder me. You will get caught.
1: Cheetah piss.
0: Cheetah piss. (laughs) And have some nugs on you, maybe.
1: (laughs) Cheetah piss and nugs falling out of your pockets at the the crime scene.
0: Okay. We are almost done. Justice is a-coming. Okay. May through July of 2000, Robert Lee Yates Jr. was charged with 13 counts of murder and one count of attempted first degree murder. That was Christine who got away. As a trial unfolded before the nation, Christine Smith, the one that got away, recognized Rob on TV. Can you imagine being the one that got away and then seeing that on? I mean, she knew, but oh my God, they got him. That feeling. Ugh. October nineteenth, 2000, Rob pleaded guilty to 13 counts of murder and one count of attempted murder as part of a plea bargain to save him from the death penalty. In exchange for his life, Rob cooperated with the investigators. He drew a map leading to Melody Murphy's body. If you remember, Rob buried her under his bedroom window. He was sentenced to 408 years. The reason that they do that, and I was watching, I'm like, they're not going to live that long. Why the fuck do they do that? It's so if one charge gets dropped and there's still a bunch of heinous shit that they've done, it. I mean, you know this. You were a cop. Why am I talking? Why am I mansplaining like, to you? <laughs> I just see what still I did like, there. I
1: love it. explaining
0: I like that. Go yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it is still silly how it's played out, though.
0: hmm
1: Just be like, yeah. hey, you're gonna be in jail till death.
0: Yeah. Exactly. A year after his arrest, and this is in 2001, Linda Yates and her kids remain in contact with Rob. She went on to say, I can't divorce him. Though I'm not sure if that's due to religious reasons or trouble with legal paperwork, and I'm hoping it's just the legal paperwork. Like, I don't care how faithful you are in your religion. I think there's exceptions to this logic, especially if you're married under the false pretenses. Namely, I didn't know I married a fucking, murdering, limp-dick, beady-eyed sociopath. Your girl wants out. Lord. September 19th, 2002. If a soft dick wasn't enough, maybe
1: murdering would be.
0: <laughs> the beady eyes. That's what... Oh, He's got those dead eyes. Okay. I'm going to keep going. I'm actually doing pretty good on time. I thought I was going to be way, way longer than this. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> this is the doozy. I did all... I wrote all of these notes. I used it's Grammarly like on these notes. Okay. So Pierce County prosecutors... Remember, he was charged and convicted in the Spokane County court, right? So now this is Pierce County. So the Pierce County prosecutors said, fuck that, and eventually withdrew for the plea deal. They tried Robert with their own charges and Rob was convicted of the two Pierce County murders and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Washington State Supreme Court rejected every appeal he made to overturn his conviction, where he remained on death row for 16 years. So 2018 to present. Washington State Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty violated the state constitution and reduced Rob's sentence to life in prison. The kicker to this day, Rob remains in the Washington state penitentiary, the very same prison where he worked before his confessed murders. Wow. The end.
1: Wow.
0: Wow. So he's still here in Washington. I think there's a program where you can write to a murderer. Actually, this is a legit thing. Like they have this database and you can write to murderers. I would never write to Robert Yates. I would not. Though I do find it interesting that they... What? Why would I never? Why? Yeah. Uh, I could tell, like, you could listen to our episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, send him a little USB drive.
0: Yeah, send him that. hey, Rob, fuck you.
1: (laughs) You got about 370 more years left. You might as well listen.
0: Yeah, gotta pass the time somehow. I'm surprised he hasn't been murdered yet. Yeah. Oh, well. The whole death penalty thing. I think when the evidence is overwhelming. I think if the crime is heinous enough, this is a heinous fucking crime. Like this guy was a piece of shit. He played into the fact that a lot of people wouldn't care at the time about these women who were murdered. And he's just a trash human being. Like he hid this from his wife and kids. What his wife and kids have to fucking deal with now, what his whole family has to deal with, what the victims' family's God, what they have to deal with—the guilt, their family members. Life fucking happens, and I'm not saying it's right that what they did. Or I'm not here to say right or wrong, but like either way, they didn't deserve to die.
1: Yeah, they definitely didn't deserve to die. I wonder if his wife ever like remarried or anything. He seems mm. a tad bit. In her ways, or these ways.
0: I I would hope that she has gone through enough therapy by this time that she's like, you know what? I think I could get divorced. I should put myself back out there, you know. Uh,
1: Love my life's in prison for murdering women.
0: (sighs) Well, his kids are slightly older than us, but I haven't really looked up like what the Yates family is up to. But yeah, I just really wanted to reiterate I'm not glorifying Robert Yates. I picked him because it comes to show that even fucking CW4s are shit-smearing limp-dicked murderers. (laughs) It's not just the privates.
1: (laughs) We all knew warrant officers had limp dicks. Be honest.
0: Don't let them catch you saying that. They're the smart ones. We need them. Fair enough. Well, okay. I did meet one warrant officer where I'm like, dude, how the fuck are you here? They've masked. Yeah, whatever. Ugh, hold on. Yeah. Anyway, so what'd you think? It, and was it nice made being... put...
1: <laughs> I like that. I learned a lot.
0: I told you, you could talk about this when you go out in between songs at karaoke. <laughs>
1: Especially, I'll find some Washington grunge to put on. Like,
0: yes all the flannel you need the flannel all, i'm wearing flannel today that's it patagonia in honor
1: of, <laughs> in honor of crazy rob no no no
0: something from rei i don't know i don't know though you got that blanket on right now
1: dude it's oh my fucking god. cold down here you can see oh s- my
0: i live in a basement the well
1: there's oh. that snow out the window oh my it god just, comes inside here it's fucking freezing i can't you
0: need a heater i have a little heater for my garage workshop
1: i have a space heater but i brought it to the field one like last time i have a fan i still put on because i need like the white noise whatever Mm but yeah i feel like you i need a little heated blanket.
0: i told you i broke mine i used it for a whole month This, that was that would be what makes my entire home office is a heated blanket. I do have a heated muscle pad. It's, just, it's not the same. I need the heated blanket. But I think this is where I'm going to be setting up my entire desk. It is so fucking cozy. I wish you could all see this. Eventually we will do a video, but we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: We'll do an Amanda cribs.
0: <laughs> Welcome to my crib. But yeah it was really fun to research this i learned a lot yeah so i have all my sources so i will link those in the show notes i thoroughly did my research so yeah
1: very thorough that's good right. well researched i liked how you laid it out honestly it's very good job
0: chronologically you like the numbers so you could re- reference where we yeah, were
1: because <laughs> i look at yeah i do because when i look at something <laughs> i just go everything just goes blank <laughs> So I appreciate
0: it. Well, I kind of figure because you read Doctrine, I'm like, at least I give him a reference point where to go. (laughs) No,
1: it really did help me.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) figured it out. cracked the code. That's how we're going to label shit from now on. Okay. I know you got to go to karaoke night. You got to get spruced up in your flannel. Oh, but speaking of before you go, I did want to tell you this. So I did frame just decorate art. I'm talking art here. I did get to frame my dad's astronaut painting that he did. And my grandma, she sent me a couple art pieces, which I will, I'll send you pictures of them. Uh, One of them is a carving that he did, a football player. And the other one was this metal etching thing. And it's a bear. He did this in elementary school. It's really good for a fucking elementary school age kid. But the teacher on the back of this thing, it still has his name scribbled on there from when he was a kid. And the fucking art teacher gave them
1: a B. Oh, that's sad.
0: <laughs>
1: Their standards were higher <laughs> back then.
0: It's so, it's actually, it's really good. It's, I wanted it because I was like, wow, that's really good. He did that in elementary school. That's so cool. And <laughs> I flip it around and see fucking B.
1: Never mind. I want to see what the A looks like in that class.
0: Right? Like fucking Michelangelo's. Anyway, that was my one story I wanted to share. I didn't get sidetracked too much.
1: No, we were on it today.
0: We were on it. So, I need to do from now on is actually type my my notes up. Okay. So, this time I will let you go and get your groove on. You should sing something by Nirvana just in honor of the PNW. And then I'll plug
1: in our uh, podcast. Everyone, Uh, check out your phones. Yeah.
0: The business cards will be coming. I do have your package that I'm putting together. So your audio quality is going to be top-notch. And you're going to be like, bitch, I'm in the studio. Don't come in here.
1: You're nice. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> welcome. I know that you wouldn't get it for yourself. So I'm going to test out my new orbital sander. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I, even got, I even got headphones. Voice-canceling headphones for it. Not these ones. My other ones. My workshop ones are <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're a lot more... You're right, I wouldn't get anything for myself. I, you're lucky I got these.
0: I know. I was telling you Tree that. I that. Wait, doesn't he already have that stuff? I'm like, yeah, but this is a better quality one, Mike, that I don't use. So I'm just going to send it to him, and then I'm going to try to make this. And he's yeah, you're right. He probably wouldn't buy it for himself. Good for you. <laughs>
1: well, this laptop's not of mind. Shayla gave it to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so,
1: I mean... Which is
0: why I'm nervous to have you download Audacity, and I don't want to crash your computer
1: yeah everyone at work makes fun of me like i don't know what the fuck's <laughs> going on and i don't i feel like i'm an old person I don't. Know. <laughs> just typing oh. like this
0: <laughs> two finger diaper
1: my my episodes she was just like, we're doing ncoers this week got two people at the rate and she was like i was copying pasting highlighting the whole thing and right clicking copy she's like what are you doing just Control C or whatever, and then you can control P
0: at the pace. I was like, what? How do you? I'm going to send you like a video tutorial on how to do some stuff. Like, I will say it is pricey, but for writing, because you are someone who has to write things, I recommend trying out Grammarly. I fucking love it. I use Grammarly on my notes. I sound so fucking smart. School is so easy now because I just like blurt out whatever it is I'm saying, and then Grammarly is like, oh, Here's a suggestion to write it better, and it's it's so fucking cool. But you I'll should try take it. it. Yeah, it's dope. Okay, seriously, I'll let you go. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. It really does help us. Please tell your friends to listen to us. And yeah, we're happy y'all are here and continue to stay with us. So bye. Okay, I'm gonna. That's not funny. Ready? Okay.